It was the best of the West against the beasts of the East, a second overtime battle between the Wolves and the Celtics, but this time the game was on the parquet where the Celtics simply refused to lose. The league admits they got it wrong and stole a win from the Celtics. Plus, John Morant's season is already over, but Marcus Smart is not going to let the Grizzlies quit just yet. You're inside Lucky's Lounge. The Celtics are undefeated at home. Let's talk about this team. It was a Boston Garden miracle. Good morning, everybody. Captain Ron Flanders here with my partner in crime, Guillermo Diaz. Both of us still recovering our, our vocal cords from a incredible overtime victory last night at Boston Garden. The Celtics winning their 18th game at home in 18 games. 18-0, something that has never been done in the illustrious 77-plus years of Boston Celtics history. Guillermo, this team just keeps rolling. What a terrific win t- last night. Uh, it was great to have you in the garden. Lucky's Lounge was representing, and the fans were going nuts. And I think that's what helped us uh, get to that victory last night. Now, I was actually, I flew in for the game. I was at LaGuardia waiting for my connector to Logan, and the flight was delayed. There was a lot of bad weather across the United States. We had beautiful weather in Boston on Wednesday, but a lot of the country was sub-zero and the flight was delayed. So they finally opened the door to the flight and uh, I was the first person on the plane. And I said, all right, the captain's on board, close the doors, let's go. We got the the game tips at seven o'clock, early start. And uh, you know, when I got to the garden, I got there just as the starting lineups were being announced for the Timberwolves. And there was a buzz in the building, Guillermo. And I've been to a lot of games in the garden and a lot of times on Monday nights on, even on Wednesday nights, you know, you don't always have the, shall we say playoff intensity crowd, but you, you noticed it right when you walked in the building. I mean, everybody knew what was at stake. It was the one rematch we would get against the number one team in the West, the team that beat us in OT earlier in the year. It was a chance for redemption and the Celtics came back from nine points down with four minutes left and seven points down with 246 left to pull out a 127-120 win in overtime. Jason Tatum, a lot will be said about him, 45 points. I think he went into the fourth quarter with like 14 points, Guillermo. He just would not be denied, and the Celtics would not be denied. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's why you have Jason Tatum on your team. You need a number one guy to step in and carry you to the finish line. Uh, We were without Porzingis, and they were without Gobert and Conley. Uh, But, again, tremendous team basketball. We saw Brown and Tatum lead the way, and that's what it's going to take night in and night out if we want to put victories on the board and really have an outstanding record of 29-8. and The Minnesota Timberwolves, the number one team in the West, you mentioned Rudy Gobert didn't play, but I almost feel like they were better without Gobert on on Wednesday night because they got a career performance from Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who hit three three pointers. He had 15 points, and Nas Reed filled in very admirably for for Gobert. He had 19 points, 10 boards. the Timberwolves looked like they had this game in the bag, but what they didn't take into account was the magic of Boston Garden. It was ear-splittingly loud in the fourth quarter and overtime. And after the game, both Jason Tatum, Joe Mazzula, all the guys were talking about how the Celtic fans were the difference maker. Mazzula talks about it all the time, about how smart Celtic fans are. Tatum was just really effusive in his praise of the crowd. And so we wanted to talk to some of you and talk about the special vibe in the building last night. Let's listen to some of that. We're here with Bill from Andover. Bill, uh, for a game in early January, this one had a very playoff-like feel to it. Tell me about this game. Oh, it was 100% felt like a playoff game. Both teams had a lot on the line. Uh, both teams have won and lost games against each other directly. They're they're winning the West right now. We're winning the East. 
and it was just an amazing uh, atmosphere tonight on the TD Guard. The fans needed to help bring this team across the finish line. Explain what it was like being in the stands tonight, some of the things you saw and heard. Yeah, so when the game was on the line, the fans really, truly stepped up here and were on their feet for a majority of the fourth quarter and really got this team going and energized, which is exactly what they needed. And, uh, you know, I, we were 10 rows uh, off the court, and uh, I'm telling you, it was, uh, it was a game I'm going to remember for a long time. Here with Cameron. From where? Lowell. Uh, Timberwolves beat us the first time out. Celtics were down seven with less than three minutes to go. Uh, didn't look good there for a little while. What, what happened tonight? What happened was the Celtics are the best team in the NBA, and we pulled through. That's what happened. Celtics are the best team in the NBA, and this building is the best home court in the NBA. How do you think the fans did tonight to support this team? The fans did well. I'm one of them. I was in the crowd. I heard everybody around me screaming, chanting. And I was one of them, so the fans are a big part of this team. The fans have always been a big part of this team, so. Caden from Alfred. We were with Ava from Lyman. Uh, guys, this is one of the best games I've been to over the last couple of years. Uh, and I think well, the great thing about it was the not only the comeback, but the fact that we, the fans, seem to have a big part in them. What did you, from where you were sitting, what kind of craziness was going on and and why do you think the Celtics were able to come back from a seven-point deficit with two minutes and 46 seconds left? Oh, yeah. Celtics fans are definitely different, man. There's everybody, the whole, the whole TD erupts. Everywhere, every time you come here, a TD erupts. And I don't know, it definitely drives the players. I, I can tell that. Definitely, we're bringing the energy. They're bringing the energy. I know that for a fact. Uh, Wednesday night, not a lot of better entertainment options than the two best teams in the NBA duking it out. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it was a great game to watch, great game to be um, here at. Um, it was really fun to watch. I think every time the fans were up, the Celtics were up. So it was great to watch and great to experience and be here. We are here with... Liam from Gorham, New Hampshire. All the way from New Hampshire. And uh, is, that, is this your first Celtic game? Yes. It is. Celtics are 29-8, and eight, best record in the NBA. But this game tonight, they beat the number one team in the West. It looked like they were going to lose. Then a priest came on the screen and blessed the team. Um, what, what, what are you going to tell everybody at school tomorrow? Are you going to school tomorrow? Uh, no. No. You need to recover from this game. Yeah. What are you going to tell everybody about this game? It was amazing and that they missed out. And missed out a lot. Yeah. They should have won. Here with? Familia. From? New York. So, crazy game tonight. The two best teams in the NBA. Celtics were down seven with less than three minutes left. Did you ever waver? Did you ever believe that the Celtics might not get this tonight? No, I believe that we're good at protecting home, and we're still protecting home, so definitely not. We was going to come back either way. Celtics have an amazing, we call them the Super Six, an amazing lineup. But to win every single game is hard. What is it about the Garden that other teams can't seem to crack? I mean, coming from New York, I know what MSG sound like, but I tell everybody, if you don't come to TD Garden, it's a different type of vibe here. And I feel like TD Garden is always loud. We got a lot of faith in our team. Even with Porzingis out, we were able to clutch our win, and he's a great defender and as well as a great um Shooter, excuse me. Yeah. So, did you notice, like we did, that we call him Father Divino, the prince? It was like the, the the priest. It was like the movie Rocky. Did you see that in the where late in the game where the, the the father blessed the Celtics? Yes, I did. He came on the screen like three times, right? Yeah. So he was into it, and I think he kind of set the vibe to make sure everybody else stayed in the game, and we didn't lose any faith at all. <laughs> Guillermo, what a cool kid, and and. You know, it wasn't just Leem's buddies up in the Granite State that missed out on this game. America missed out on this game. This should have been the ESPN game, the number one team in the East and the number one team in the West. I, I think it might have been Nuggets, Jazz, or, or Sixers, Hawks. I don't know because I wasn't near a TV. I was in the Garden. But uh, this was uh, an instant classic. Yeah, what a classic game. Um, all the fans were riled up. Everybody was into it. 
we had the father, you know, blessing the game and getting the Celtics back into the game. And the crowd was really behind it. We had some Debbie Downers in the crowd, but we pushed them and we got them amped up. And everybody was standing and wanting to see the next play that was going to happen. Well, you know, for those that weren't at the game, um, we'll have to give you our Tweet of the Week. Our Tweet of the Week is from Taylor Snow. He's a Celtics writer, at Taylor C. Snow, who tweeted out during the game, Thank you, Father. We needed this. Now, you remember the movie Rocky, and I believe throughout the Rocky movie series, there was a priest named Father Carmine whom Rocky would go see to get a blessing before the fights. I mean, the Celtics were down for most of the third quarter and fourth quarter of this game. And in fact, the Celtics were down by nine points with four minutes left and seven points with just 2.46 left to play. But in the third quarter of this game, the Jumbotron went to this priest who was at the game, it looked like with his daughter. He had a jacket on, a blue jacket that said Narragansett something or other, but you could see his collar underneath. And everybody was just kind of, you know, the music was playing. And this guy starts blessing the Celtics, making the sign of the cross. The crowd went nuts. And as the Celtics come back, started to keep going, they would go back to this priest and he kept doing it. And, uh, I, you know, I believe in divine intervention. You know, God wasn't going to let the Celtics take their first L on the, on the parquet, Guillermo. Yeah, God bless the Boston Celtics. I think me and you were joking back and forth and naming him Father Davino. Um, <laughs> what a great blessing to, one, have you in the garden and to have the Father in the garden blessing the Celtics. And uh, just... What a great team um, game to pull back. They went into overtime, and then they just put their foot on the neck and uh, won this game 127-120. to 120. The Timberwolves, Guillermo, they're a very legit team. Yeah. Right? Anthony Edwards seems to really get up to go against his fellow Georgian Jalen Brown and the Celtics team. And this is a team that is often overlooked. I mean – in the years, by the way, this is the first, this is the 17th consecutive time that the Timberwolves have lost at Boston Garden. Wow. wow. The last time they won at the Garden, they had a guy wearing number 21 named Kevin Garnett. They beat us by three points in a very low scoring game. Uh, they, they just haven't been able to win in Boston, but um, they're the best defense in the NBA. Anthony Edwards is looking like he's, you know, one of the new faces of the league. He had a very good game. Carl Anthony Towns, the NBA three-point champion, he was going off. And so the Celtics were having a hard time scoring them, uh, having a hard time scoring, having a hard time stopping them. And Jason Tatum just basically took over this game. I mean, he had a, a monster fourth quarter. And, and then in overtime, he scored a lot as well. Um, with those four minutes left, you know, I was one of the people that was doubting this game. <laughs> Guillermo was, was kind there. I was kind of not in a good mood. The Celtics were taking some bad shots. Let's go. And, you know, they, Jason Tatum put them on their shoulders. He just started basically putting his head down, um, using his crossover dribble, getting around the Timberwolves and getting right to the rim. Layup after layup. And... You know, he did that until he got fouled with 25 seconds left and the Celtics down two. He was seven for seven at the free throw line at that point, Guillermo. He calmly steps to the line, makes the first one nothing but net. Second one will tie the game with, you know, one possession left and he missed. But lo and behold, Derek White, who is our, you know, Clutch offensive rebounder. Remember him from game six last year against Miami? He flies in from behind the three-point line, steals the rebound away from two Timberwolves, gets it to Tatum, who throws it to Horford, who finds a wide-open Drew Holiday in the corner, who knocks down a three to put the Celtics up two, and, and they would eventually, you know, Anthony Edwards got fouled. It went to overtime. But that clutch play from Derek White and Drew Holiday, great pass from Horford. I knew at that point we were going to win the game. 
Yeah, and even with 8.5 left at the end of the game, at the end of the fourth quarter, uh, we saw Tatum take a pull-up jumper, and you were clamoring for him to continue his finesse mode and get to the basket because no one can stop him when he puts his head down and he goes finesse because he just yurls and slithers his way uh, Mamba-esque to the basket. Um, and he either gets a foul or he finishes more often than not. Um, but the Timberwolves really got up for this game. It was a team effort. Slow-mo was really putting it on the Celtics. It was a fun game because it was no lulls. It was a lot of back and forth. And Anthony Edwards loves playing against the Celtics. You mentioned him and Jay's B's relationship being from Georgia. Um, he was chirping all game. He was making facial expressions throughout the game, and he really was trying to take over, and they kind of almost just focus on giving him the ball late and got away from their team game, which really was carrying them throughout the uh, most of the game. Yeah, they played very well together. They, they, they passed the ball well, and they knocked down shots, Yeah, but... I think the crowd had a lot to do with that because it got so loud late in the fourth quarter and in overtime. You know, Edwards took it upon himself to to knock down threes and hit shots. He did that so well in Minnesota in that overtime. He had eight points in the overtime to beat us. But it was a different ball game. I mean, the building almost felt like it was shaking, Guillermo. And so when they reverted to hero ball because they probably couldn't even hear themselves think, it didn't work out. In this game, the Celtics shot only 43%, but they hit 19 three-pointers out of 47 attempts. That's over 40%. And, you know, they went to Indiana and couldn't hit a free throw to save their lives, right? They lost one game where they missed nine free throws, shot 69% from from the free throw line. Last night at the Garden, the Celtics got to the stripe 31 times. The only one they missed was that one at the end of regulation that White rebounded. They were 30 out of 31, and they were getting out-rebounded all night, but they ended up winning the rebounding battle against the big physical Timberwolves. And, uh, I mean, it was just it was a master class in late-game play from the Celtics. They weren't great throughout. But when it mattered and when the crowd implored them to go on, they responded big time. And that says a lot about the Celtics, right? So we know Missoula has joked about putting up 53s a game and they put up 47. But to get to the line 31 times and actually make 30, they missed nine the last game before against the Pacers, as you talked about. But to make 30 free throws, though. They're free. They're, it's there for a reason. You got to knock those down, and that's what the Celtics did. We hear a lot about the term closer, right? Oh um, in the NBA, there is a belief that, you know, stars win games. You know, you, you can win a championship with a great team. Uh, the, the 2004 Pistons come to mind as a yeah. team that was a true team but a lot of times you will you will say, okay, but when the game slows down, it gets late, who's going to get you that basket? Who's going to close? And I think it was very important for the Celtics to get Holiday and Porzingis because now Tatum can close without having three hands in his face. Mm. Uh, but there is some doubt in the minds of at least some Celtic fans as to whether JT is a closer. Tonight, I felt like he put the the T-Wolves to bed. Which Celtic would you more often than not want to close the game? Brown, Tatum, White, Holiday, Porzingis. Who would you want to go to like we had with 8.5? Tatum took the shot, a jumper, when we wanted him to go to the cup. But uh, who do you want to take the shot or to go to the cup? Who do you want? To, to have the ball in their hand. I'm a little bit, I'm, I don't prescribe to the theory that you need to have a, a closer. I remember when Tatum's hero, Kobe Bryant was on the Lakers, particularly after he got Shaq moved out of town. There was one player allowed to shoot the ball ever when it went 
down to the final possession. Everyone in the building knew that Kobe Bryant was going to have the ball and he was going to shoot it. You know, there's other great players like LeBron James who will pass in that situation. I think Jason Tatum this year is really showing his evolution because he is making the passes. After White got that rebound, the ball went to Tatum. Right. And he passed it to Al Horford, who made the extra pass, and they got the shot that essentially won him the game, I think, that holiday shot. Uh, but, you know, the Celtics have five very good players on the floor at any given time. And what's beautiful about Joe Missoula and the Celtics system is that they will pick the one matchup where they have a huge advantage. Sometimes that's going to be Tatum. A lot of times it's going to be Jalen Brown against a smaller player, or they run a pick and roll, they go to KP. So I don't want the Celtics to have a closer. I want them to have five closers. Amen. And I think they're mature enough to play like that. Yeah. Tatum was the closer last night, though. Yes, he was. And I, and I talk about that Drew Holiday shot, which, again, they don't win if it's not for that. But there were two huge steals in overtime, one by Tatum. The Celtics were down by three. Anthony Edwards came down, hit a three. Tatum stole a pass and got a transition take foul, Right. made a free throw, and then the Celtics came back again. And then Drew Holiday had a big steal where he threw it to Jason Tatum for the dagger three. Drew Holiday for the second consecutive game is my unsung hero of the game. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Tatum will get the credit for the game, but it, was, it really was truly a team effort, Guillermo. What I took away from it is Jalen carried us, you know, quarters one through three, and then when we needed someone to really step up, help us catch up and get back into the game, it was Jason Tatum. He put us on his shoulders and led us to the victory. Yeah, or we, I'm, you know, I almost am remiss not mentioning the great game that Jalen Brown had, 35 points, 11 rebounds. He shot the ball tremendously, 4 of 7 from deep, 13 of 13 from the line. And against the number one team defensively in the entire NBA, the Jays put up 80 points. There's not a lot of teams that are going to be able to beat the Celtics if that's happening. The Celtics are now 24-2 and two when the Jays, both the Jays scored 30-plus. And this is the second time you've come to the Garden this year, second time you've bought a Jason Tatum jersey, and Jason Tatum has gone off. I'm going to go broke doing it, but next time I'm there, I, so I've got the uh, the black one and I got the association one tonight, and maybe I'll get the green one next time. I mean, he, if JT's going to go off, JT, if you're listening, uh, I'll give you my Venmo later. We can you can reimburse me for those jerseys. Well, the maybe the biggest contributor tonight, Guillermo, even more than JT, was the sixth man. You, the fans. When we come back in our next segment, we'll hear from more of you. Plus, it was the biggest theft since Bonnie and Clyde. What happened in that unconscionable theft by that officiating crew in Indiana? And what did Joe Missoula have to say about it? It's pretty funny. Stay tuned. You're listening to Lucky's Lounge. Welcome back to Lucky's Lounge from Boston to Brazil, from Nebraska to Nepal. Celtic fans everywhere tuning in and coming into the lounge to talk about the number one team in the NBA, 29-8, and eight, Guillermo, four games ahead of the next closest team in the East. We play them tonight, the Milwaukee Bucks, three games ahead of everyone in the NBA, three games ahead of the Timberwolves. So Celtics doing a great job. After the game, Jason Tatum had a couple of comments. One, he said, I keep hearing about how our strength of schedule is easy for the rest of the NBA. We have the, one of the easiest schedules. Uh, that ain't happening yet. He actually uh, threw in some some choice words there. He also he made a point to talk about how proud he was of the Celtics' 18-0 and record at home because he said, you know, recently we haven't taken care of business at home in the playoffs. Last year in particular was an embarrassment. And we wanted to clean that up. Guillermo, I'll say they've cleaned it up. 18-0, and 0, they've never done this. We talked about the 86 team that went 50-1 and 1 at home. 
regular season and playoffs, but even they did not go 18 and 0 in their first 18. Yeah, just a tremendous feat. And as we've talked about throughout this year, this is a different team. They win in different ways, night in, night out. The former Celtics teams would have given up with the three minutes left in the fourth quarter, just like some of the fans. But this team figures out how to win. They go with what's working. They attack and they win games in different ways. And that's what's just so tremendous to me about this team. And that's why the belief is there amongst a lot of fans that this is the year that they're going to put up that banner. And we're going to go bald, hopefully, at the end of the uh, NBA season. Yep. Um, But just tremendous basketball being played amongst these guys to have home court and dominate like they have been. And then now we have a back-to-back where we're going to go to Milwaukee, right? That's the other rumored team to be, you know, top of the East or is going to compete with the Celtics. No, no doubt. And then Friday, Ime Udoka comes back to Boston to challenge our 18-0 win streak at home. For, for a Saturday game, right? Saturday or Saturday, Yeah. Okay. But they'll be in town Friday, I'm sure. Um, you know, these fans, what was special about tonight, you know, the, Tatum talking about the schedule being harder than everybody says, it's true. Because, you know, after the IST, we had a nice little run where we had five-game homestand. But, you know, we look at our record. The Celtics have played more games on the road than they have at home. And they've been asked to go out on the road for two games, then come back for one, then go back out on the road for a back-to-back. That's not easy. What makes it easier is when you have the best fans in the league. And what was kind of exciting tonight, Guillermo, is clearly – you know, these last couple home games, there have been a lot of people who found their tickets for this game under their tree. Merry Christmas. There, there were a lot of people that we talked to that said, I got these tickets from my dad for Christmas, or this was a, a birthday gift. And so we wanted to talk to some of those fans. And these are fans who aren't season ticket holders. You know, they, they watch them, you know, they listen to Mike and Scal and they watch them. And they got these tickets as gifts. We even had one fly in from Brazil. Let's hear from her. Let's hear from some of these other diehard fans that got to experience maybe their only game of the year. And it was this gem of a game. Let's listen to this. We're here with? Ana. Ana from? Brazil, Fortaleza, Ceará. You came from Brazil for this basketball game tonight. And it was amazing. Totally worth it. I know you guys are, are big football fans in Brazil, and, and you, you have some amazing stadiums and, and crazy fans. Have you ever been to a more exciting sporting event than tonight, though? Oh, that's a tricky question, but I had to say no. It was unbelievable, yeah. Really? What did you like about it? I mean, the Celtics were losing. Late in this game, it looked like the Celtics were going to lose, but it seemed like the Boston fans were not going to allow that to happen. Yeah, and everybody starts, defense, defense, and all of a sudden, Jason Tatum comes in. We've had fans on our show from Brazil. It seems like the Celtics have a pretty good following in Brazil. Yes, of course. We had, uh, you know, we had Barbosa on our team um, many years ago. Okay. now we have a Portuguese player on our team. Uh, is uh, why? Why are I mean? Obviously, the Celtics are the best team in the league right now. But why? <laughs> why do so many people like the Celtics in Brazil? I have to say something about my boyfriend because he was the one who said, "Hey, take a look at Celtics. I think they are amazing because they are always looking for the players in the drafts and they try to do their best. So I think there's something to do with that." Here with David. And Liz from, from Somerville. Somerville. Um, guys, it didn't look like the Celtics were going to win this game tonight. Down seven with less than three minutes left. What happened? That's where I was stuck at. I was like, I really thought we lost it. But, I mean, I thought Tatum was going to put it away right before that overtime call. But, I mean, I'm glad we ended up going the same way it did. I mean. Drew Holiday surprised me so much. I really thought we were going to lose. I really did. 
and he surprised me. I thought it was going to be Jason Tatum, but it was Drew Holiday, so I'm really happy about that. Holiday hitting the three that forced overtime and then making that big steal. Uh, tomorrow night, the Celtics will be in Milwaukee taking on the team that said, we don't need you anymore, Drew, and went out and got Damian Lillard. Um, are you looking forward to that game, and, and what chance do you think the Celtics have? I think they have a great chance, especially considering, what is it, 18-0 and at home? But that's over there. I, mean, I know, I know, but I still think that'll carry over. You know what I mean? Especially the confidence from having that new record and Drew kind of having like something to prove against them. So I'm confident. Yeah. I think so. With Jason back, I mean, last game, I would only say if Jason was there, that tie, that, that it was so close last game. I think it would have been easily a, a win with Jason. So I'm, I'm saying yes in Milwaukee for sure. And we'll have that. That tall guy, the goofy guy, the unicorn, uh, he makes a difference, doesn't he? does make a difference. I was so sad he was out today. I haven't come to a game in like... Yeah, we haven't seen, neither of us have seen him play, yeah, so... 20 years, so I was so sad that he was out. I was... I didn't know who he was, honestly, when he joined the Celtics, and I've loved him. He's so good. No, uh, are you going to come back again this year after what you saw? Yeah, we're coming on Valentine's Day. Yep, we'll be back. Don't that's worry. that's pretty clutch. Boyfriend of the year. <laughs> Here with? Lynn from Hampton, New Hampshire. Lynn, uh, how many Celtic games would you say you've been to in your life? Six or seven only. D does this rate as the number one? The number one. The number one. Absolutely. What, what? You know, I'm going to tell you, when I was a kid, I used to root for the Celtics go into overtime just so I could watch more of the game, more more of the Celtics play. Tonight was a little bit of a, a heart palpitation moment <laughs> or two. But those extra, those extra five minutes, were they worth the cost of admission? Absolutely, since it was for Christmas present from my children. <laughs> a great gift indeed, Guillermo. And speaking of gifts, the Celtics giving a little gift to our old friend Alex Rodriguez, A-Rod, the owner <laughs> of the Minnesota Timberwolves. He was courtside tonight to watch his team lose. You hate to see it, A-Rod. Now get the hell out of town. We don't ever want to see you come back. Yeah, I saw him walking around, gave him a big boo, Mr. Former Yankee. I saw Leon Poe in the building, former Celtic. Um, and that, like some of the fans, there was a lot of first-time NBA game-goers at the game last night and for that to be their first encounter with the Boston Celtics at home like wow that has to be a mind-blowing experience yeah it really is and uh you know you heard some of those fans there what better way to show that you love your kids or you love your mom to take them to a Celtic game and and boy did they deliver don't want to belabor this too much but let's talk about our last game oh boy. the game before this right yeah. Um, our, another one of our tweets of the week, I guess this would be our secondary one, came from our closer, JT, uh, who basically took the tweet that announced the two-minute report from the final moments of the Celtics-Pacers game, the one that the Celtics lost by two points, and Tatum tweeted out, that's some BS. In that two-minute report, the NBA, because I think they had no choice, Guillermo, said that the overturning of the call on the court where Jalen Brown was hit by Buddy Heald in the back of the head. Are you sure? Well, they admitted that he was hit, but they, they gave the referee some top cover and said, but that was incidental. And so they said that the referees made the right call overturning that. Okay. They just handed the ball to the Pacers, but they admitted that Kristaps Porzingis did not foul uh, Benedict Mathurin, and so the game should have gone into overtime. You know, it was also pointed out on X that the crew chief of that game grew up in Indiana from the age of nine, went to high school and college there at Purdue. And, you know, the NBA, and by the way, that guy refed the game between the Hawks and the Pacers last night. There was a challenge with 12 seconds left there, um, which ended up forcing the game to go to overtime as well. We can talk about the officiate. I think maybe we should, you know, because Joe Missoula, 
you know, after that game said, I can't wait till tomorrow at four o'clock. I want to see this two minute report. Tatum and Porzingis called it out, especially Tatum. And Celtic fans aren't happy. I think they have a right to not be happy. I think this was a theft in my book. And I know it's hard to be an NBA official, but the rule states that unless the video conclusively 100% without a doubt overturns the call, then you have to stay with the official's call. And the call was foul. The Celtics should have had a lead with three seconds left and the Pacers would have had no timeouts left. Yeah. So just to correct you, it was a Hawks Sixers game last night. Yeah. And so just some context on that game. We saw Halliburton go down right before halftime. JB had 40 points that game, tremendous game from JB. And I think it carried over into last night's game because he was awesome to watch. And Jason Tatum didn't even play in the game and just was a fan on the bench. And like you said, he called it some BS. Um, I thought that game should have went into overtime. It's disappointing that it didn't. I think we definitely got one taken away from us. And we know everybody else is against the Celtics, whether it's refs, other fans. We kind of live through it day in, day out. We've, we see the arguments on X, on other social media platforms. And me and you were texting back and forth today. It's the Boston Celtics against everyone else. They don't want to see us win. And for that two-minute report to come out, we knew it was a foul on uh, Buddy Heald. Fine. They called the incidental. I guess head is now part of the ball. So, But Heald admitted, supposedly, to Missoula, I did foul him. Yeah. The referee called a foul. Heald admitted it was a foul. <laughs> but the fix was in. I think the NBA has a real problem. You look at Tuesday night, the Lakers and the Raptors. Okay. The Lakers in that game mm. went to the foul line in the fourth quarter 23 times. Wow. It was reminiscent of the game seven of the Western Conference Finals when Shaq got to the line like 20 times in the fourth quarter of game seven in Sacramento. The Kings should have won that game. And after the game, the Raptors' new coach, you know, he said, I guess the NBA wants the Lakers to win. Well, next time, just let us know so we don't have to come all the way out here and show up for the game. There's a lot of questioning of officials right now. I actually think the coaches' challenges aren't helping things, Guillermo. Well, even to touch on the Pacer game, LeBron even tweeted that the game should have been called in the Celtics' favor as far as Buddy Heald fouling uh, JB at the end of the yeah, game. Yeah, but you know what? Stay out of it, LeBron. You know, <laughs> LeBron has to make everything about him, right? He's still salty about a call he didn't get, you know, a couple weeks ago. So he has to inject himself and try to stay out of it, okay? But I do think that um, it was obvious to everybody who saw it. I think Jalen Brown called for an investigation after yeah. the game, yeah. and he's right to, given the background of this official. And listen. In 2024, you cannot – I mean, they're showing the point spreads sure. on the NBC Sports Boston broadcast every quarter now, the live line. Gambling is so ubiquitous, so pervasive. Who, who's to say that there aren't referees? The NBA already had referees having gambling scandals in the 1990s. So they need to look into this. Yeah, it's unfortunate. We don't want the refs to take over a game. We just want to be able to watch the players play basketball. And if we know and we can see that it's a foul, then it should be a foul. Don't do the two-minute report and then try to say, oh, that was our bad, because there's nothing you can do. We can't turn that L into a W. But I do think that they also tried to, you know, after the fact – change the facts around or a little bit, or at least, I mean, where in the rule book does it state that if you hit somebody in the head by accident, aren't all fouls by accident <laughs> or most, right? I mean, come on. Um, that's a foul 100% of the time. 
and they know it. Moving on, uh, since our last show, Brad Stevens went to the airwaves. I think he did a radio interview with the uh, with the, the Sports Hub, or he went on one of the shows. I'm, I, I apologize uh, for not getting it right as, as to far who he joined. But basically, Brad came out of the office. You know, he hadn't been heard from in a while. And people wanted to know, you know, the temperature check from where Brad Stevens sits on this team. And as he has said repeatedly, even after the Drew Holiday team, I still have assets. We're not done. Stevens sort of admitted that the Celtics could be in the market for, quote, a bigger wing. Okay. And of course, that set off all sorts of speculation about which bigger wing the Celtics may go after. They do have the 6.2 million or 6.4 million TPE from the Grant Williams trade. And right after that, interestingly, Guillermo, the Celtics guaranteed the contract of four of their role players, Lamar Stevens, Delano Banton, uh, was it O'Shea Brissett, maybe? Um, Luke Cornett was one, and maybe Brissett was the other. Brissett actually might have been guaranteed. Cornett was one, and Svee Michalik. Michalik, Cornett, Stevens, and Banton all got their contracts guaranteed. And they're all making in the neighborhood of about $2 million a year. Right. What that tells me, Guillermo, is one or more of those four individuals will probably not finish the season as a Celtic. They need that salary potentially, to combine with that TPE to bring in a big wing. What are some of the names you're hearing? And do you agree that the Celtics need to add a big wing? Because the way O'Shea Brissett has done the little things with the energy, you know, he's not, he's not shooting great. He's starting to hit more threes. But every time he's on the floor, he's making things happen. Do we need to make a trade? And, and, and who could be the guy that they bring in? That's tough for me because I've really started to fall in love with the entire Celtics roster, even the bench, because when those guys come in, they fit their role. And even when they have to do spot starts, I think they contribute. Um, So I wouldn't want to move on from a guy like Brissett. I really like what he brings. Like you said, high energy guy, big rebounder. Um, he's had some amazing putback dunks this year. Um, and he's so loved by the rest of the team. I mean, he's personality wise. I think he's just the perfect fit. He's a great clubhouse guy. I don't think he's going anywhere, but do they want to upgrade at that spot? And, and it looks like they're, they think they're okay at the five spot. Yeah. So some of the names or a name that has been thrown out there, um, I've heard of Chris Boucher from the Raptors, Sadiq Bey from the Hawks. How do those guys fit? Who knows? Do they intrigue you? What do you think about those two guys? Well, Bey does intrigue me. I mean, this is a guy who I think has scored in at least one NBA game 50 or 51 points. So he's a big body who can shoot threes. He... You know, he, he's not a guy that's going to wilt late in game. So he can come in and be a threat. And, you know, Brissett is a threat in different ways. You want to win games in the margins, you put him in. He flies around. He not only gets offensive rebounds, he sometimes, like Luke Cornett, will, will just tip a ball and keep it alive. Yeah. You know, he'll go, for, he'll go to the floor for a loose ball. He made a big play in that first Indiana game where he – started a fast break by diving on the floor. You right. need those kind of guys. And the Celtics, you know, they're, very, they're top five in offense and defense. But, you know, this is championship or bust. You cannot have – there's no margin for error. You've got to get it done this year. So if you can upgrade without – Boucher, How, what do you think about Boucher? You know, I haven't watched him enough. Um, he seems like a fair – you know – Six nine, probably with a seven foot wingspan, and a guy that seems very confident shooting three pointers. 
I'd, I'd have to look at his numbers in the corners and, you know, just the different spots. But uh, he's got length, which means he can probably help protect the rim. A little thin, but um, I, probably a guy that can be a stretch stretch four, stretch five, maybe. Yeah, I think the big premise that Stevens is going for is when you got to go a little bit smaller but still have that athleticism. And I think they want to keep Tatum – more at the three spot than the four spot because that way he doesn't have to go against other bigs like we saw him combating you know towns at times tonight when they would go uh towns and reed who knows if gobert was out there it would be towns and gobert uh so i think that's why they want to keep or get another big wing is to kind of keep tatum at the three and switch him from time to time to four uh, but I, I I do agree. Sadiq Bay would be a better fit than Boucher. I'm sort of like you, Guillermo. I love all 14 of these guys, and and actually yeah, we got that spot open. And I do like you know I like our our three G leaguers as well. But uh, I love every single player. So if we keep all these guys, if Svi Mikhailuk and Delano Banton are on the team at the end of the season. I'm okay with that too, because they are contributing. They're contributing in practice. They've had their moments on the court and, and Joe Missoula trusts them. And Joe has been great with this team. You know, Lamar Stevens said, he talks to us, he tells us what to expect and he's been great. And so that, you know, they're, they're part of the stay ready gang and, and, and we don't have any problems with any of these guys. So um, we'll just see how this plays out real quick, Guillermo. Celtics now tonight in Milwaukee, and this was the team that was, I mean, all of the sports books had Milwaukee as the undisputed favorite after the acquisition of Damian Lillard, and that is what sparked the Celtics to put all their chips in, go all in and get Drew Holiday, and um, we beat the Bucs already this season, so this is a huge game for the Milwaukee Bucks. And they get the Celtics tonight without Al Horford, exhausted from an overtime game the night before. But the unicorn will be back. Maybe a fresh version of Kristaps Porzingis, who couldn't play due to a knee soreness or something like that. If Porzingis plays, what do you expect tonight? You don't have Horford to bottle up Giannis. I think we need a team effort against Giannis, right? He's going to get what he gets he's gonna drive to the pain and get his free throws Uh, hopefully it's not 30 free throws but um i think tatum brown holiday Brissett, heck and maybe even kata cornet um and poor zing is it's gonna be a team effort defending him but i think if we can lock down the other two guys that they mainly go to middleton and lillard then we'll be fine my question back to you real quick as we wrap up this segment is what does this game mean to you? Are you okay if the Celtics don't pull this one out tonight? This game to me means nothing. <laughs> and by the way, the the sports books are listing Milwaukee as a six point favorite tonight. Wow. You wow. know? Well, they uh, are at home, but okay. They are at home. But I'll say this. Remember last year the Celtics went to Milwaukee? And like sat everybody. And Sam Hauser, who was back in his home state of Wisconsin, probably went to Culver's for lunch, you know, and you know, he was a monster in that game. Yeah. And the Celtics, with all their bench guys, forced OT. And it was Drew Holiday, I think, who saved the Bucks last year. Yeah, Grant coughed it up. But yeah, was that the game where Grant, you know, said I'm making them both and no, no, but he coughed. Okay, but that was again. Yeah, that's right. But that was a game that the Celtics could have had, and it felt like a win. Um, the it's a must-win game for the Bucks. The Celtics' schedule this month is actually very hard. You know, we we saw playing two games in Indiana, a back-to-back, and then this other back-to-back here, then coming home for one, then back on the road, a, a tough opponents. Um, but they do have some games with rest advantages. Last night, they had a rest advantage over the Wolves, who played the night before. They blew somebody out, so those guys didn't play a lot of minutes. But tonight, the Bucks have a rest advantage. It is must win. Listen, people are going to start 
questioning the Lillard thing if Lillard either can't stay on the floor due to these injuries or the Celtics with Drew Holiday start running away with things. So I expect a monster game from Giannis, but JT's been pretty good lately. And he said, you know, tonight was fun. Tomorrow's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. That tells me that uh, Celtics want to win this game. They want to win every game. And uh, I can't wait for the game. Porzingis will be back. Jalen Brown, the last two games, 30-plus points. He's on a hot streak. I'm excited for tonight's game. Yeah. I wish Horford were playing, but it it should be fun to watch. Um, I do feel like this game against the Wolves was very important because you could have been looking at a three-game losing streak for the Celtics. Getting robbed by those officials in Indy, then losing this game, and then going to Milwaukee on a back-to-back. Instead, everything changes. The Celtics with a four-game lead in the East, riding high, feeling very good about it. Well, when we come back, some teams that aren't feeling too good. How about the Warriors and the Lakers? Trouble out West for these two dynasties. And John Morant's season is over, so now the Grizzlies have nothing else to depend on but number 36, and that's still a pretty good plan. You're listening to Lucky's Lounge. Stay right there. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Lucky's Lounge, our final segment now. Guillermo, I don't have a Lucky's hero for this game, but our hero really was Father Davino. And we tweeted out that, you know, the guys from Narragansett don't know what parish he's from in Rhode Island, but uh, if anybody knows who he is, hit us up on X. Uh, he was really the difference maker for the Celtics tonight. Now time for Lucky's List, as we always do. Let's start in Maine, where the the, the lads in green, the Maine Celtics, uh, haven't been playing that well lately. All right, so after winning their first two games, they have lost four games in a row. Uh, so after losing to the Grand Rapids Gold, they lost to the Capital City Go-Go's by six points, 119-113. Then they lost to the Long Island Nets twice, 110-115 and 100-102. to uh, The one gem out of everything is that J.D. Davison is continuing to perform. Uh, we're pushing to get him in the G League All-Star game, which is the G League up next game. Uh, this season, he's averaging 22.2, 8.7 assists, 5.1 rebounds, and steal, uh, 1.2 steals, and shooting from 3, 38.5%. Now, what's notable about that, Guillermo, and this is – Similar that we want to get him in the in the All Star game, just like we do want to get Derek White and Porzingis and 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 our guys, is that Davison is scoring nine points more per game. He's averaging a full assist more per game, almost nine assists a game, and his three point percentage is up more than eight points from thirty point three to thirty eight and a half. That's going to get him into the up next game. That's a given. But like I said, it could, it could get him to Boston next season. And it, or it increases his value to the point where he could be an asset. So very happy for him. You know, he was Mr. Basketball for the state of Alabama two years in a row. And uh, we're very happy to have the champion of the Camellia State, but we need those main Celtics to get some wins. Well, let's continue along here. And let's start with the injury report for the league. Uh, some big names on this list. Ja Morant. Out for the season, Guillermo. He just came back. Just came back. I think, how many games did he get in? Nine? I think so. And, uh, you know, he sparked the Grizzlies to a nice little run there. Went out, and it's looking grim now for the Grizzlies. But on the on the upside, they did get the return of Marcus Smart. And he's been balling, Guillermo. I mean, I think they won their last couple games. He had eight three-pointers against the Lakers. And the other night he had five, looked like he hurt his finger pretty bad, but he basically said to the Grizzlies, guys, we're not going to lose this game. Marcus Smart doing Marcus Smart things, but I don't think it's going to be enough now with Morant out. I think the Grizzlies are heading to the lottery. And I think that's better for them. They didn't have Brandon Clark back. He's recovering from an ACL. Steve Adams was out for the year with surgery. So I, I think they just started off on a bad start. They should reset, reload, 
use that pick for next year. They extend. Well, we don't. We don't want Morant to reload, but we, you know the Grizzlies front <laughs> office can reload. Yes. Yes. Uh, they re-signed uh, Williams. They did waive uh, Biombo, which was surprising, but for the Grizzlies and Smart. Uh, good luck next year because this year is probably over. Well, but but here's a scary thought, though, and I don't know if you've thought about this, but I have. The Grizzlies, why did they get Marcus Smart? Well, it was partly to get back to that grind culture that they've always had, but it was also to cover that 25-game suspension. Now that Morant's out for the season and this season cannot be repaired, would the Grizzlies move Marcus Smart? Would they trade him? There's a couple of teams that I can think of that could use a player like that. And just hypothetically speaking, if the Miami Heat or the Los Angeles Lakers or the Bucks or the Milwaukee Bucks went out and got Marcus Smart in a desperation trade, I couldn't root for him anymore. Could you? No, I'm sorry. I still don't root for him as much as you do. But no, I couldn't. No, I mean, the Grizzlies are my second favorite team, and I loved these last couple wins that Marcus led them to. But uh, I hope he stays there because, you know, it's closer to his home down there in Dallas. Um, he's a Southern boy. You know, he's he fits with that city. I'd like to see him stay there. Um, prayers for the Grizzlies injured players and hope they come back. Prayers for Tyrese Halliburton. You know, it was a very scary scene in the Celtics' last road game. Tyrese Halliburton carried off the floor. He actually had to have a towel over his face because he was in so much agony. But it looks like he will be back in a couple weeks. That's good news for the Pacers. They won to, They won uh, last night. Yeah, they're going to need somebody to represent them for the Indiana All-Star game. And um, Halliburton's a baller. We didn't get to see him when uh, they came out here November 1st, but um, best wishes to him. And the Pacers win Wednesday night to stay number four in the East. They will continue to be a team to be reckoned with. The number one offensive team in NBA history so far, still number one offensively. More injuries. Chris Paul breaks his hand. He's going to be out at least a month for the Warriors. And the Warriors got all sorts of problems, Guillermo. Yes, they do. Um, that's going to be a big miss for them not having Chris Paul. Uh, what else is going on with the Warriors? Well, I mean, they lost last night. They gave up 141 points Woo! to the Pelicans. And the Warriors right now are not in the play-in. They're 12th in the West. The white-hot Utah Jazz have passed them. By the way, Celtics were the only team of the top three teams in the East to beat the Jazz because they beat Philly, they beat Milwaukee, and then they went and beat the world champion Nuggets. So, you know, that's looking like a better win for the Celtics. But now the Warriors are 12th in the West. And they're now saying that, you know, first of all, you had Jonathan Kaminga criticizing the coach. And Steve Kerr said, look, we're not getting rid of you, man. We're not trading you. I think you could be a star. They're trying to work out that relationship because, frankly, it looks like it's about the final chapter for that dynasty group of guys. But there are some young players there, Kaminga being one, that maybe they can they can eke out a couple more good seasons with Curry if they make one or two little moves. But uh, they're apparently ready to move on from Wiggins. And the other thing that came out was, and this is just pathetic to me, Draymond Green on his podcast, which I hope you don't listen to because it's, it's crap, basically said, I almost retired. What? You know, he, he got this suspension, which turned out to be like a 13-game suspension for Correct. basically throwing a, a punch at Yusuf Nurkic, right? A roundhouse blow. And on his podcast, he said, I was talking to Adam Silver, and I said, Adam, I think I'm going to retire. This is too much. This is just too much. And Silver said, well, you know, no, you're not going to retire. I can think of about 100 million reasons why he shouldn't retire, the, the big extension he just signed with the Warriors. But I'm so, this is too much. You're the one hitting people. You're the one, you know, punching people in the nuts. I mean, uh, you know, doing WWE sleeper holds on guys. 
you brought this all on yourself, so why is this too much? I, I think you're talking too much. Shut the heck up and try to help this Warriors team get out of this because if they're all healthy, they can still make some noise if they can get into that play-in. Yeah, I mean, they haven't re-signed Clay. He'll be a free agent going into this offseason. I am happy with the Warriors' demise. I am done with that quote-unquote dynasty. Please just set off into the sunset. I'm done with you guys. We're going to stay in the Pacific Division. You know, Sacramento, they looked like a team that was on the up-and-up. They just lost to the Charlotte Hornets. We told you that last week. Uh, But there is a team. There's a tale of two teams in one city, and it's the Clippers and the Lakers. We'll start with the Clippers. The Clippers just signed on Wednesday Kawhi Leonard inking a four-year, a three-year, $152 million extension. So about $50 million a year for Kawhi. He will remain home in SoCal with the Clippers, and apparently reports now that they're about to lock up PG-13 as well. So this is all part of Steve Ballmer's plan. They go into that new state-of-the-art arena near Hollywood Park, and they will be at the end of this season. I think they'll be able to extend Harden as well. They are rolling right now. They are probably the the second-best team in the West behind the Timberwolves, and they're feeling really good right now with Tyron Lue at the helm. I'm happy for them. I hope the Clippers can take a hold of L.A. and make the Lakers fade away. I'm excited for them in their new venture with the new uh, state arena, uh, arena next season. Interesting to see how they'll grind through these playoffs as it comes up in the next few months. Um, but good to see them playing well. We know Russell went to the bench in order for them to play that much better, Terrence Mann moved into the starting lineup, and I think that's helped them. Now the Lakers. Uh, Lakers on a two-game win streak, okay? they Like we said, they did beat the Raptors in their last game. So they have won two in a row, but all is not well in Lakerland. There has been speculation by some that Darvin Ham's position as the Lakers head coach is not safe. He has not been getting a ringing endorsement from his star, LeBron James, who basically came out after the Celtics ripped them on Christmas and some of the subsequent losses that they've had and said, we stink right now. Okay. And when LeBron James is saying that, it usually means that if you're in that locker room, uh, you know, you, you shouldn't try to buy a house there in Los Angeles because there are going to be changes made exactly which we don't know, but Let's, you know, I think it's premature to fire Darvin Ham. Let's not forget that last year the Lakers were a play in team and they charged back and won two big playoff series to go to the Western Conference Finals. Anthony Davis is playing fantastic. He's, he looks like a top five player again. So maybe they could make a move personnel wise, but I don't think you fire Darvin Ham. It's interesting, especially after they won the IST championship. And the what? The what? <laughs> the in-season tournament championship. The in-season. They- let's just let's take the word championship out of there. <laughs> they won the in-season tournament. Hooray. Uh, but, you know, as we talked about, James and Davis are playing massive minutes. Yes. They put up their stupid little banner there right. for that meaningless tournament but they could miss the playoffs altogether. If the season would end today, Guillermo, the Lakers would be a play-in team again. And, you know, some of those play-in teams, let me give you those. Mavericks, Suns, Rockets. Wow. Wow. No guarantee the Lakers get out of that bracket. No, that's a tough bracket if if the playoffs started today. If the in-season, then that is an in-season tournament that matters, the play-in, right? If you can't get into the big dance, uh, that's trouble in LA and you know, the, the Clippers are, are going to get all the buzz, even though Davis and LeBron are the real stars in that market. You know, there's no substitute for winning, especially in LA. They only love winners there. Yeah. Reports have been Hachimura and ham have gone at it and aren't seeing eye to eye. 
And the Lakers just picked up former Atlanta Hawks Skylar Mays. I don't know how much of an impact he'll bring to the team. Um, and keeping on the Pacific Division, the Suns have been, you know, in some turmoil as well. And Kevin Durant is committed, and he doesn't want to get traded. Well, I'm looking forward to that their next game. The Suns and the Lakers tonight, the late game on TNT. I will be watching that. Um, but the, the early game I think is us and, uh, we're going to, we're going to definitely want to tune in. Let's real quick. Look at the week ahead, Guillermo, after the bucks, you mentioned Ime coming to town for that Saturday game. Who else we got before our next show? All right. So, uh, like you said, we'll play the bucks tonight in Milwaukee. Then Saturday, email Doga returns to TD garden. A lot of booze probably coming there. And then Monday night, the Celtics will go on the road again to Toronto. And then for the halfway point, the 41st game, the Celtics will be home and the alien Wemby will be in town. The alien versus the unicorn part two. And our final item on Lucky's list, uh, the alien had his first career triple-double last night as the Spurs got a victory against the Pistons 130-108. to I think a lot of Celtic fans are going to be eager to go and see the future of the NBA because Wimbayama is, is that guy. Real quick, we want to thank all you fans, Lucky's Lounge listeners, for continuing to spread the word about the podcast and giving us those five-star ratings. Continue to tell your fellow green teamers about this podcast, and you can email us, luckysloungepod at gmail.com. And since I'm feeling generous right now, Guillermo, we're going to give away a Lucky's Lounge t-shirt right now. Anybody listening, send us an email, luckysloungepod at gmail.com or go into our DMs on X at Lucky's Lounge Pod and we will get you a Lucky's Lounge tee right out to you. And all you got to do is put it on and uh, take a picture of yourself in it. So that's coming out. Send The first fan to get us that, uh, we will get you uh, this Lucky's Lounge t-shirt giveaway. Final thoughts, Guillermo, as the Celtics make history Best start ever at home, 18-0. Just a tremendous run from this team so far. Almost at the halfway point, the team is top two in defensive and offensive rating, number one in net rating. Tremendous basketball to watch. Fans came out and just continue to do so as we have the rest of the season. And I would like to uh, thank General Brady for giving me three days of leave because uh, my vo- I'm going to need like extra duty Ricola to get my voice Woo! back from that game. Uh, thanks to Father Davino. Thank you to all the Celtic fans for pulling us across the line tonight. And uh, we'll see you Saturday against the Rockets. But uh, let's go Celtics tonight. And uh, thanks for listening to Lucky Lounge. We'll see you next week.